Hi everyone, uh, my name is Raymond Guy, co-founder and CEO at Luku. And at Luku, we are building the operating system for sustainable fashion commerce in Africa by creating digital infrastructure and offline enablement solutions. Uh, we, two, we have two platforms. So our merchant platform, Lucastax, equips fashion entrepreneurs with all encompassing tools for growth, including storefronts, secure payments, and efficient fulfillment, as well as uh, produ production, sourcing, and financing. And on the other hand, our Luku app connects fashion-conscious consumers to a carefully curated array of clothing, footwear, and accessories tailored to their preferences. So this promotes circular and responsible consumption of fashion. And with a strong uh, commitment to sustainability and inclusivity, uh, Luku who is driving the, is driving the transformation of Africa's fashion ecosystem. And we have a goal to empower over 50 million Africans by 2030. We launched in 2022. So in the first uh, year, we were able to see our marketplace grow by an average of 4x. And we are currently now ramping up to launch uh, our merchant platform, Lucastax, and a revamped uh, consumer marketplace under the Luco app. Great. Thank you very much. A great startup. Uh, so uh, a great elevator pitch as well. So what was the problem and how did you understand this issue uh, while you are creating the Luku uh, that aims to solve? Yeah, so a bit of background. Uh, myself and my co-founder, Benedict, he's also our COO. Uh, we met while working in tech. So we both worked in tech. I'm a product designer professionally. And at that time, both of us had been running uh, two separate fashion businesses for over six years. So he was mostly in retail and I myself was a designer. And when we got to talking to just understand each other's interests outside of tech, we got to find we got to find a lot of like synergy in regards to a lot of the problems we were facing in terms of running our fashion business. And when we started talking about this, we started engaging even other people within the fashion space, so a lot of other merchants. And we got to see that despite fashion being such a big uh, market or a big business uh, in Kenya, for example, where we're starting, uh, it was also plagued with a lot of problems. So some things. As basic, as basic as uh, convenient delivery that's affordable or payment infrastructure or even uh, a platform to just sell or to discover and sell fashion, they were not there. So a lot of us were just relying on maybe Instagram, Facebook and WhatsApp. And a lot of, a lot of time in those uh, kind of platforms is a lot of like fraud that happens. So you're scammed, uh, a merchant, to, uh, someone will just set up a platform start selling things you pay because now the, the whole idea was you have to pay before you get your item so that caused a lot of like friction and for us who are like okay since both of us have this experience in the fashion scene and have also worked at Jumia which was like our first foray into e-commerce why don't we sort of like formulate a solution that could solve the problems that we are facing as well as like thousands of other merchants are facing and that's how Luku came to be so initially we launched it as a marketplace, trying to bridge that gap of where can merchants sell efficiently, a platform that can provide access to market and access to uh, the clothing that you like, as well as uh, secure payments. So for the marketplace, we had an escrow system where consumers would pay and that money wouldn't be released to the merchant until the item is delivered and confirmed that it's okay. So that gave a lot of confidence on both sides of the marketplace. And we were also able to leverage a lot of partnerships to provide uh, fulfillment services that were uh, way cheaper than what was currently in the market. And what was in the market was 
being used because there was no alternative. So a lot of uh, the problems that were being faced by consumers and merchants were being faced just because there was nobody building a solution for these problems. And yeah, that's 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 sort of how like my look with the marketplace came to be. So is it the first time that you are uh, building a startup uh, with your co-founder? Yeah, it's the first time. So we've built other businesses, but they were not uh, in the realm of like tech and startups. Uh, but yeah, this is this is our first time. Uh, what are the struggles that you are both facing right now, especially early stage of your venture? So yeah, definitely. Uh, getting into market creating that awareness of what you are building and we are in africa and e-commerce in africa i think the penetration currently is is just under is of less than 15 percent so trust is a huge barrier so we are still trying to tell people people are like okay yeah we get the problem we are solving we get the solution you're providing but there's that element of trust in e-commerce where guys are still like before you actually get them to trust the platform and use it uh, a lot more it still takes uh, significant effort, especially uh, locally. And at the same time, we're doing this while we are also learning as founders how to build uh, like a technology startup, which is something that we haven't done before. So the other times we've been on this other side where, yes, we are, we are designers or we are working in finance within a startup, but being a founder is drastically different. You have to think very differently. You have to move with a very different speed. So it's sort of like a balance of getting the product to market and providing value to your consumers while at the same time trying to build a company while you're still learning. So you're learning how to build a, how to build a company culture while at the same time you still have to provide services to customers. Yeah. Are you both founders technical backgrounds or business backgrounds? So for myself, uh, it's more technical because I started off my career in a bit of development uh, then made the transition to design. But for Benedict, he's more of business. So he's had experience as an investment analyst as well as finance and a lot of ops. So I feel like it's, it's a good balance. So business and technical, so it creates a, a really good balance. And we have Fiona, who's our founding exec and CMO, who has like a heavy background in, in growth. So brand, marketing and advertising, that's her forte. So the three of us sort of like create a really nice balance for the business. I think you have uh, more than a year in this journey. So how was the first of your thesis? And did you have any updates with your first thesis? Uh, how was the market react uh, on your first product? And are you going to uh, getting a new product from your uh, first users? Uh, should you share me about that as well? Yeah, so launching in the first year was quite exciting. It was a lot of work, but it was quite exciting. Just seeing uh, people really resonate with what uh, we were building with the marketplace. Guys were like, this is something that we haven't seen before. This is something that I really needed, both consumers and merchants. And we saw sort of like quite a significant growth uh, like every quarter. Uh, currently, we have over just over 600 uh, merchants using the platform, which is something that I remember when we started off, we used to look at the app, you scroll, uh, the items that have been listed are like 20, you get to the end, but now it's very hard to scroll through all the items that are on the platform. So for that, for us, that, that was very exciting when merchants and consumers see value in a solution you're providing. It was not easy definitely but during that time also i feel like our first year was a lot of learnings and i do appreciate the team in being able to 
uh, turn around like insights and learnings very fast, whereby we realize a marketplace is good, but also we are trying to balance two things. So one thing that we, we are lucky as a company, we got to get the grasp of very early on is like growth is really good. Scaling is really good, but you also have to do it in a way that makes the company and business very sustainable. So focusing on the fundamentals, trying to move, uh, looking at how you're going to be profitable, how you're going to find product market fit. And in that time we had the marketplace, we realized a marketplace, especially in, in the context of Kenya and Africa, you need to invest a lot of uh, sort of like funds to acquire both sides of the marketplace, yeah? And for us, we sat down, looked at uh, the interactions on the platform, had conversations with our merchants, and we decided to sort of like switch gears from going, uh, just pushing sort of like a, a, a both consumer merchant marketplace as our core product and trying to empower merchants because we felt like that does two things. One, our merchants understand their customer their customers way better than us guys do at the moment. So, and they still have problems that no one is solving. So if you're able to empower fashion merchants and build tools that will make their business better, uh, in a secondary sort of way, we are also uh, building solutions for these customers because these customers get to interact with their merchants a bit better. So if the merchant is able to process payments better, if the merchant is able to deliver to their customer at a better rate and more conveniently, it's a win for both the customer and the merchant. And for us as a company, it gives us the opportunity to sort of like monetize and grow our revenue significantly better than with a, like a, with a, merchant and consumer marketplace so that's why we went from having uh, the luku marketplace as a singular platform and we've now spun out duka stacks by luku which is our merchant platform to empower these merchants to serve their customers better and then we, we still have the luku app that we are slowly revamping to basically cater to the preferences of the consumers even more so in this in this instance we see it as the the marketplace being a long-term play and the, the Duka Stacks platform for merchants being a way that we can serve the entire ecosystem in a more uh, in a more direct way and in a more sort of like way that gives the business a lot more viability in terms of, of growth, in terms of revenue. Yeah, so that, that's sort of like why we, we've gone into, into that direction. Uh, funding and revenue are crucial aspects of any startup. So uh, did you change the business model while you are spinning off uh, this uh, shift? Yeah, so the on the on the Luku app itself, the marketplace that we'll be launching uh, later this year, the revamped one, uh, we didn't particularly change uh, a lot on the business model, really. Just added things like uh, loyalty programs uh, and such things. But for the marketplace, it still remains as a commission-based marketplace where we earn through commission as well as delivery fees. But on the Dukastax platform is where we found an opportunity to uh, plug in a lot of the problems that these merchants are facing during their journey building a business. And that also gives us uh, a lot more avenues uh, to monetize. So things such as using our escrow wallet, because it's something that merchants have shown really high interest, being able to charge transaction fees that are actually lower than other platforms that they use while still maintaining viability for our business is something that we've also looked at. So yes, for Dukasax, it has a, a very different business model for what we had when we were launching the marketplace. So Kenya is a growing startup ecosystem, and um, I think uh, you are going not only Kenya uh, market, but also looking for Africa, uh, shooting for Africa. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
where does the look fit in and how do you stand out uh, from the competition? So uh, who would you identify as your main competitors right now? Yeah, so with Luku, like, as I said, our vision is to build the operating system for fashion commerce. So we are basically trying to build the rails where if you want to run a fashion business in Africa, from sourcing and production, all the way to market access, to deliveries, to payments, all the way to the afterlife of a garment where your customer has bought an item and they want to sort of like get rid of it to buy something else, they can resell it on our marketplace, for example. We want to power that entire uh, supply chain. And the reason uh, Luku stands out from some of uh, the other competitors, such as like Shopzetu, Oyaga, and the like, is because we do understand a lot of the problems that merchants are facing. And we decided to refocus more on empowering this ecosystem in a way that caters to like uh, economic uh, sustainability, environmental, as well as social, where we are adding a lot more value into the ecosystem. And we believe as a company, we are also going to see sort of like a benefit from that. So if you look at a lot of the players in the fashion scene in Africa currently, they are pure customer merchant uh, ecosystems. Most of them are just set up like your typical marketplace where a merchant signs up, sells to a customer. But none of them are looking at uh, some of the problems that merchants face, such as something as basic as how you manage your inventory. So apart from just listing and considering that in Africa, a lot of the transactions happen offline, a lot of our merchants still have notebooks where they write their inventory. A lot of them still have notebooks where they are writing their expenses. Yeah, a lot of them still transact on WhatsApp and Instagram and Facebook, and they want delivery mechanisms that are integrated into their business. So they want to interact online, run a business online and grow online, but they still want to continue running their business offline. And there's no platform that is giving them access to both of those. So it's either you choose, either you're going to go online, use this tool for your online business while still doing a lot of manual work on the offline side. And something else such as like events, for example, in Africa, a lot of people purchase secondhand clothing and find that how this secondhand clothing gets to a merchant, for example, you'll buy what's called like a wholesale bill, which is around $400 to $900, but you're only able to, to sell around 40 to 60% of, 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 that, of, of that bill. So the rest of that bill goes to waste. No one is really looking at how to resolve for that. And one of the things that we've learned, especially with our experience in like marketing and advertising, you can really leverage on a, on a company's brand to make things easier for your customer. For example, we've been talking to a lot of people who provide like this bill. So companies such as Flick in the UK to find a way that we can actually find better ways to provide this stock to our merchants. And our merchants are very interested in it. They're like, if I'm able to buy a bill that has instead of a hundred pieces, it has like it has 40 to 60 pieces that I can comfortably sell 80% of, that improves my business. So that's sort of like the space us guys want to play in where we look at your business, look at where it is, how can we grow it? And on this other side, look at the consumer. What are you looking for? We provide that for you. And at the, at the same time, just looking at both our sides and trying to make sure that we are doing this in a very sustainable way. So it's sustainable for the business, it's sustainable for the environment. If you come to Kenya and go to like Gikomba, which is like one of our biggest markets here, you'll see Nairobi River is full of clothing. A lot of clothing goes to waste. So how do we also resolve for that to build a space where not only our merchants and our consumers can thrive, but even us as a business in good conscience can actually thrive and grow.
how many hours do you spend with your customers weekly? So we try to spend at least uh, two days, two working days with them. So between 10 to 16 hours every week. Uh, it's gotten slightly lower because currently we're we are a pretty small team and a lot of our focus has been on a lot of the development. But the beauty is where our physical uh, space is as a team is sort of like a fashion hub. So we are surrounded by merchants like every single time. I have merchants just talking to them. And these are merchants that are actually using Luku. So we sort of like get, as long as you're, you, you've gone to the office, even without like our weekly uh, market, uh, market visits, as long as you're in our office, you get feedback from customers. Someone will come and tell you, oh, this feature, I was thinking about this. How can you guys help me with this? So we get a lot of a lot of interaction with our merchants. I'd say like two days, yeah, two working, two working days, uh, between 10 to 16 hours every week. Have you gone through any funding rounds uh, lately? Yes, so last year when we just after we had launched, uh, we raised our first round of around $50,000. Uh, that was basically to sort of like get us out the gate. And now that we've seen a lot of growth, we've seen an evolution of, of the product. Now we are ramping up to, to now raise our sort of like pre-seed round uh, currently. But we have, we have gone through around uh, before, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you are going to raise another round, uh, let's say a bridge round or a seed round? So it's sort of like a pre-seed round to get us, we are trying to achieve product market fit. So it will take us for the next, let's say 12 to 18 months. So we are currently raising $100,000 uh, to get us to that milestone currently, yeah. So what are Luku's plan for the next six or 12 months? So for the next six to 12 months, so for the next six months is just uh, getting both products into market, testing them out as much as possible uh, to find that fit with both our merchants and consumers. Uh, for the next 12 months, uh, our key focus is on growing our revenues. Uh, so for the team internally, we are, we are, we are trying to, to target like incrementally, like drastically increasing uh, our, our, our revenues uh, beyond a million dollars and like expanding into adjacent markets in Africa. So we've had conversations with people within East Africa and West Africa to just understand uh, the markets there. So sort of like doing an initial uh, market research. But yeah, our core focus for the next 12 months is uh, owning uh, the Kenyan market and expanding into adjacent markets in East and maybe West Africa, yeah. What will be your long-term perspective five years, for example? So five years, uh, we really want to be sort of like the organization that powers fashion commerce in Africa. So for merchants, you'd sort of like think of something, uh, I think this is the best example, something like similar to what Shopify does uh, in Europe and the West, but us guys doing it for African fashion, whereby if you are running, whether it's a small business or a big business in fashion, we give you all the tools that you need to set up your business, to run your business effectively, to also grow your business. And we empower you even with like insights, uh, training materials, just so that you can actually thrive in running your business. And for consumers, just being the destination for fashion. If you're thinking of, of shopping for fashion, you'll think of local fast because you'll have access to uh, the best supply at the, at the best prices and, and it's personalized directly to you. So apart from that, powering the e-commerce system, uh, our, our three main focus areas are usually our customers. So building that platform for them, 
Uh, the second one for us is making sure that uh, one of our internal goals for myself, Benedict and Fiona has always been to be Africa's best workplace. So that's also a goal that that we that we have and we hold dear. And the other one is just uh, shareholder return, making sure even the people who believe in us, they get to actually see uh, their fruits as well. So those are like our three uh, core focuses for the company. Also, uh, working in a Uh, developing country and emerging markets is very difficult. Could you give us an uh, overview of what the startup ecosystem look like in Kenya today? Yeah, it's 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 actually growing really fast. Uh, a lot of times, even when you get on LinkedIn, for example, even in conversation, social conversations, I'm interacting more and more with people who are building uh, startups. And it's beautiful to see because a lot of times it's people who are Sorry, trying to solve problems that either them, their family, their friends have gone through. And it's interesting because people are also coming to realize that in the guise of trying to build a tech startups in Nairobi or Africa, you have to build them in a drastically different way because you have to understand the context, the local context. You have to understand how operations work. Uh, you have to understand the, the, the subtle nuances that we have uh, locally and a lot more people are actually spending time with their customers. So the startup scene is thriving. There are a lot more, there's a lot more interest, even in fashion in itself, for example, which when us guys launched like last year, uh, a lot of investors were still a bit skeptical about how fashion is, how the market is, which it is actually a quite a big market, but over the past sort of like six, eight months, there's been a lot more uh, interest. People are now like, okay, there's actually something in fashion. They get to, they get to see the data, they get to understand there's, there's a massive opportunity. So yeah, it's really growing and thriving. And yeah, I'm really happy to be part of it. So uh, what is the investment climate uh, like for the startups in Kenya? Are there venture capitalists and angel investors actively participating in the ecosystem? Yeah, so yes, yes, it's it's quite uh, good. But I think for in the past like year or so, it's also been a slowdown, like what has been happening globally. But there's, there's yeah, there's significant investor interest in local ventures. So both VCs and a bit of angel uh, investment. The angel side is growing, not at the pace of VC, for example, according to what I've seen, uh, because a lot of uh, us locally, we still have very traditional ways of investing. So it's real estate. It, it's uh, yeah, it's mostly real estate and things like that. Uh, but we are getting to see a lot more education happening to towards like to people who are a bit uh, older, and they're like, okay, there might be something in this tech thing. And also in for younger people who've now get gotten the exposure, and a lot of the middle class who are now able to even work remote, work for organizations that are paying uh, drastically better than local firms. They've now shown that interest to be like, okay, I can I could write a check to this uh, company. It might be a small check. But there's that sort of like knowledge and growth. So I'd say, yeah, it's 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 really growing. Yeah, I think it's it, it is it, it actually is the next frontier. And are there any incubators or accelerators in Kenya startup ecosystem? Has Luku been part of any of them? So locally, uh, there's some, but Luku hasn't been. We've been part of like uh, accelerators that uh, that have like local chapters so the first one that we did uh was uh founders institute so they we were the first cohort for the nairobi chapter back in 2021 and then we uh we've also interacted with with, with quite a, a bunch more 
Uh, we're also in conversations with, with some to see if we could also be part of that, especially uh, ones focused on a lot of like economic impact on the continent. So yeah, there are a number of local accelerators and we have been fortunate enough to be part of one and are actually looking towards being part of more. So we're also part of like the fashionomics one that is run by Africa Development Bank, but that is mostly across the continent. So it picks uh, participants from across the continent. How collaborative is the startup community in Kenya? Are, are there any frequent events, meetups, or platforms uh, for ventures to collaborate? Sorry? Uh, how collaborative is the startup community in Kenya? Are there uh, frequent events or meetups or platforms for startups and founders? Yeah, it's becoming quite, quite collaborative. So every week or so, you'll hear of a mixer. There's also like even WhatsApp groups and Slack groups of, of founders and, and, and ventures and investors. So it's highly collaborative. A lot of times, even like reaching out to maybe prospective advisors, mentors, or even like investors, it's very easy to approach like another founder. And there's, there's sort of like that openness where people are really willing to, to help because I know if I help you, I'll take you from one step to the other. And I also know someone who's a step before me can also help me elevate to that step. So it's it's highly, it's highly, highly collaborative. Yeah. So it's a good space to be in. I mean, last question about the Kenyan ecosystem, but do you have success stories or notable startups that have been come out of Kenya uh, recently or last five years, 10 years time? Ray, did you hear the question? Hello, Ray. Yeah, so we have, we have, hello, can you hear me? Yes, yes, go ahead. Yeah, so this, this, there's been a rise in like the expansion of startups outside Kenya. So what some that I could think of is uh, like uh, Market Force, for example, as well as Wasoko that have been able to expand beyond Kenya into like Rwanda, into Tanzania, into Nigeria and West Africa. Uh, we are seeing a lot of that happening now. Uh, companies such as Workpay as well. So it, it's quite exciting to see. And even for us who are really early stage, it gives you sort of like hope and you're also to get a lot of insights because during like mixed or when you meet these founders, they're very open to giving you insights on that market. So even before you you dip your foot in in expanding into Nigeria and whatnot, you actually can talk to guys like Tesh or Daniel from from Wasok and they can give you hints to be like, okay, if you even want to get a lot more insights, I can introduce you to people who will help you to sort of like guide you on who to talk to uh, before you even like have to fly all the way to Nigeria, for example. So yeah, a lot of companies in Kenya are growing beyond Kenya, which is quite amazing to see. Just goes to show that, yeah, there's there a massive opportunity and we're actually solving problems for the continent, not just for our home countries as well. So Ray, what is your superpower? <laughs> Uh, my superpower, I think I'm able to identify trends really well. So I think that has helped me in my career. And even with, with, with Luke, it, it, I think it saves us a lot of time where I read, I consume a lot of information and I'm able to digest quite a lot of information. So that helps me see uh, trends, whether it's it's business trends, whether it's marketing, whether it's 
uh, product design and development. So that I, I'd say that that is sort of my my superpower, being able to identify those trends and being a creative. It helps me to maneuver running running a company as well. So what keeps you awake at night nowadays? What are the risks that you are challenging? I think uh, the biggest risk I see, I usually two things keep me awake mostly at night. The first one is, are we providing enough value to our customers? That's what, that's the top of mind that keeps me awake at night. And the second one is always, uh, are we building a workplace where people can actually thrive to serve our customers better? So those are the two things, because I do believe even with the economy and funding and all these other things that are external, uh, things that I can't really control, I, I usually become very stoic about it. I can't really control like the economy per se, but I can't control the value we are giving to our consumers and the environment we are building for our team. So those are usually the two things that keep me awake at night. So what are the funny facts that nobody knows that you can share today about you? Yeah. Hello, you can hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Go ahead. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, Ray. Yes, go ahead. All right. So I think a funny fact is something. Yeah, I can hear you. Now. Yeah, one thing that people have started to come to learn about me uh, is I, I I really love music and and writing. And in my before I started doing design, I used to actually I studied uh, audio production for music and a bit of broadcast journalism for radio. So I used to record music actually. So I found a lot of those recordings and and released them recently. And everyone was a bit confused. They were like, you also do music, but it's something that I did way back. So yeah, I do I do, do produce music in my free time and write music as well. <laughs> so that, that's, that's an interesting fact that people don't know. Just on my design and I'm building look, but they don't know that I have. I also do that as well. You mentioned about the Stoics as well. So uh, did you... Uh also implement stoicism in your daily life? Hello, I think internet pause. Can you hear Sorry? me now? You mentioned right uh, very recently about stoicism, uh, about the yeah, things you know. that, yeah. So do you implement the learnings of stoicism in your daily life? Yes. So over the past, I'd say like six months, uh, I've been really trying to practice it. I find it calms me down and being first a creative and at the same time uh, being like a very logical person, it helps me be able to balance. So I've, I've actually started because I really love writing. So I've actually been uh, trying to write a bit about um, navigating life and purpose uh, through stoicism and using like within the African context. So yeah, I've, I've, I recently launched a blog. I've only written two posts, but I try to practice it. So I read a lot on stoicism and also try to put it in my day-to-day. -day. So hence, hence the blog, but I, I really do try to practice it. Thank you, Ray, for sharing your insights and your journey with us and also uh, to our listeners. Uh, make sure, I mean, uh, check out Luku and keep tuning 
insight for insightful episodes. Thank you, Ray. For sure. Thank you, Burhan, for having me as well. Thank you. Have a great day. You, you too. You too.